You're listening to The Next Course, a podcast for foodies where you hear from cooks, chefs, and restaurant owners. On the show, we delve into all aspects of food culture, discussing recipes, cooking techniques, nutrition, food trends, and more. So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Harry Hills, and I hope you're ready for The Next Course. You may have seen my next guest from MasterChef 2019 or at one of WA's many beer and food festivals. Uh, he's a cook, presenter, beer expert, and family man, Carl Lyons. Welcome to the show. G'day. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. I'm actually very excited because we have a beer expert at the table. I've talked to other people that have dabbled in the industry, people like Simon from MasterChef, mm-hmm. uh, who used to be a bartender, but... Beer and food, such a good combination, and I'm really, really keen to sort of hear your insight on it. Um, so for anyone that doesn't doesn't know you, do you mind just telling us a bit of your story? Yeah, um, from WA, kind of moved up to um, moved up to Melbourne to work on the on the mountains for a while up in, in Mount Buller, and that's kind of where like my passion for the food side of things kind of kicked off. Mm-hmm. The beer up there was terrible. But, <laughs> but I worked with this chef and he was like a surly, surly dude. But just like, you, you could tell that he, he loved food. He just hated waitresses. That was <laughs> but yeah, they, they, and there was another chef there, Boston, who's a, a good friend of mine. And just the way that they treated food and kind of, I just thought about it as kind of quick service stuff, you know, not really caring what was going out when you you know when you're a bit younger i just wanted to kind of do a job but then like seeing this food that people took so much time to prepare and stuff putting like their heart into it exactly yeah and then like you talk to them about it and they would have all this information about where it came from and all that kind of stuff and i just never thought that that was like people could be passionate about like the thing that they worked at really Mm. like just always thought it was a job um but yeah that can Completely went off on a tangent. Like, <laughs> like, that's what I was going to do before. We yeah, before we started this, you were saying, you're like, I might go off on a I'll tangent. I'll pick up on something. But these people have basically shown you then that food can be more than just this job. Yeah. Like, it's actually something you can be passionate about. Was it more that they were passionate about what they were producing or was it about, like, the ingredients and other stuff as well? I think all of it, to be honest. Um, I mean, the, the menu that we were well, – that they were doing up there was – inspired around the kind of the background it was like um asian um kind of thai inspired so that's where the chef came from um and you get some really quality stuff up there as well in that kind of alpine region there was some you know really good producers and um yeah i mean i can't remember off the top of my head kind of what regions or whatever they're getting their stuff from but um yeah not like a statistician basically yeah you don't know like all the geography of every stuff um, and it's been a while since I've been over there, it's like five years since I kind of left Melbourne, but I think it's kind of cliche to kind of go over to Melbourne from here <laughs> and then get like stuck in it. And like coffee as well. I just got really into coffee and really into food and yeah. kind of became a complete hipster wanker. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think for anyone who's listening, who's not from Perth, it's a very Perth thing yeah. to have this like sort of like journey, almost like a culinary journey. You move to Melbourne, you live there for two to five years. And then you decide where to go with your life yeah, after that. I think it's kind of like a Bogan rumspringer. <laughs> like we, we, leave, we leave WA, <laughs> we go and get cultured for a bit, then we come back and then we uh, yeah. get set in our ways again. And so you <laughs> did come back to WA and then yeah. now you're based around 
sort of Other Side Brewing. Um, do you mind yeah. telling people about that? Yeah, so Other Side Brewing, um, we're just over three years old now. Um, started off really, really small operation. Um, there was a few kind of, you know, um, people going in and out, but basically there's two owners. Um, they brought on Reese, who's a really good friend of mine. I'd worked with him um, at another brewery before that at the Monk. Um, and he was, you know, he was doing some brewing there. And um, so in, in the, at the beginning, we were in this like pretty crappy tin shed at the back of Stack Street in, um, in Frio. And there was just me and him, um, kind of me doing the, the sales side of it, but also having to help with canning and deliveries and all this kind of stuff. So there was just two of us. We didn't even have a, a, a brew kit at all. So we were driving down to Black Brewing, which is in Metropark or like Margaret River area. Yeah. We'd drive down there, can everything up in the morning, like stay the night, you know, get a, get a skid <laughs> and then drive back with as, with as much beer as we could carry. That's like underground. Yeah. That's like underground beer production. Yeah, they call it, they call it gypsy brewing if you don't have a, if you're brewing out of someone else's. So at the beginning we were gypsy brewers. Um, I think it was kind of a really good way to go about it because you can contract brew and a lot of people do. They just kind of give recipes to other breweries and then the, the brewers from that brewery say, like if we had gone to... Um, uh, sorry, it was Beer Farm. I said Black Brewing, but it was Beer Farm who we were mm. um, uh, gypsy brewing through. But yeah, you can do it the other way where you basically just give them a recipe or you just give them a style of beer and say, this is what we want. We're going to you know brand it up and package it and sell it ourselves. Um, but Reese being the um, kind of just really proud and you know and, and good brewer himself, like he, he wanted to kind of go there and, and do it and make sure that he was involved in all the processes and, and things like that. So yeah, that's how it ended up being pretty much a full-time job. I think he was really at the beginning just going to be writing recipes and we were going to do that kind of contract um, brewing thing. But we just, I think we just fell in love with the project straight away and kind of wanted to make roles for ourselves. So yeah, I got to come on full-time as a, a sales rep. Um, so, so basically you did a bit of traveling mm -hmm. and then like you really just sort of went into this venture not exactly knowing where it would end yeah 100 do you see this as something that's achievable for other people like what if someone else wanted to actually get into brewing like yeah would you recommend this or is it a bad idea to be honest like it, it it's not a great idea <laughs> like there's so much there's so many things that are super fun about it and um i think just the image of being a brewer is super trendy at the moment um we get so many people just like messaging me on like my Facebook or something saying, hey, I'll come in and I'll sweep your floors. I'll, you know, carry grain. Really? Just to, just to start to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Because, you know, although we hire quite a few people in WA now in, in craft brewing, it's still a really kind of hard area to get into. Mm. Most of the time you have to, you know, it, it's a lot of home brewers who start and they think I can brew a good beer at home and then they want to get into it and do it for a job. But there's not much money in it, especially when you just start, um, and there's no real qualifications you can get over here that are, you know, mean that much unless you've had actual, you know, on on the on the brew line kind of experience. Mm. So um, it takes a while to start kind of actually earning money, and you get a lot of these people who have come off mining sites and stuff and apply for the job, and then hear how much they're going to get paid, and they're just like, absolutely. <laughs> so people need to be passionate about beer. You need to be super passionate about. Like, um, not just enjoy a beer on the weekend, not no. enjoy 10 beers on the weekend, like, actually, <laughs> I mean, that's a life. prerequisite as well. <laughs> you have to be, you know, you, you definitely, like most people, are 
probably worse for wear because of how much they drink. But, <laughs> but no, like it, it's a massive commitment and the money is, is pretty hectic. You can do it on a small, a small budget, but really if you're, I mean, the size that we are now, you know, there, there's millions of dollars in it and our, our brew kit is not even close to being able to produce the amount that most breweries would say would be the you know, amount to be a successful brewery or even a medium-sized mm. brewery. So, like, even just to get to the point that, that we are, and over the three years, it's, it's quite impressive what we've done, but um, it's so much more than just kind of having a, a good couple of recipes and, and you know, buying a, a second-hand brew kit. Um, the biggest thing, I think the biggest hurdle in brewing is stepping up from a small kit um, like the money behind kind of moving up from just a small kind of 500 litre kit or something like that, you've really sunk 12, 15, 30 grand into something like that. And then to step up to something that is a proper production size, you're looking at hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, upwards. So it's, it's massive. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't produce enough beer on those small kits to get to the, the bigger size. Like, yeah, it's this real funny thing. I mean, you hear about people like Feral Brewing who, who, who sell out. Um, to these bigger companies, um, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of examples from Pirate Life and things like that. And most of the time, they need to sell to become bigger because they need that big financial injection into mm. it. So yeah, I mean, doing it as like a thing. If you just want to support one or two people, like if you can do it and be like, look, I've got um, this one 500 liter kit. We're going to make this much beer every couple of weeks, and that's enough to pay two people sixty grand. And we'll never be able to do anything other than that. Like, if that's your goal, then do it because it'll work. <laughs> you know, more than likely you'd be able to do it. But, like, it's still going to be a hard slog and, you know, making any more money than that without huge kind of you know, injections of cash behind you. Yeah. Um, it's pretty it's pretty difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so we've successfully terrified people away from the beer industry. What about just, like, a beer rep? Like, what sort of the prerequisites to actually do that? Is it, like actually having the palate or something like that? Yeah, I don't really know, man. Like, because I, I was selling coffee before before this. I just kind of <laughs> want to say, I love my job and I love <laughs> brewing. And I am, you know, I'm not trying to be a downer. But it's, it's like, like you, you've gone through a lot of hard work to actually get here. And yeah. it's, it's something that might not be achievable for everyone. That's it. I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but there's so many people who are like, yeah, I want to, you know, even the own a bar thing. Like when people say they want to own a bar. I think bar is hard, man. Like, yeah. So many people go broke yeah. in, in, a, in a year. Like these these things, they seem like so much fun, but they're so much work. Yeah. Like, no, you're you definitely, it's not like a huge negative thing that's coming <laughs> up because I had the exact same uh, conversation with Rose Adam where we were talking about cafes and how lots of people just mm -hmm. want to open their cafe. Yeah. But it's it's a really hard slog and you've got to put a lot of hours into it. Exactly. And so people, I guess, need to expect that. Yeah. But let's move on to something yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. more positive. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to something for the audience, maybe mm -hmm. people that are just really into beer. Um, all I really want to know right now is what kind of beers are you drinking at the moment? And are there any sort of lesser known beers, any underground things that people should know about at the moment? Yeah, I know it's probably kind of controversial because not everyone really likes these styles, but sours. I think sours mm -hmm. are really where it's at. I think they're kind of playing into that market or into that palette of the kind of the wine drinkers. Yeah. So like some of my favorite um, beers, like Boat Rocket, are some really, they're, they're not from WA, they're from um, 
Vic, but mm-hmm. um, they they do some like really nice kind of barrel aged sours and things like that that really kind of taste just like fizzier kind of intense Chardonnays and stuff like that. Mm. So, I mean, the thing that I like really love about beer, especially like the beer and food thing, is like in my opinion, beer is so much more versatile than than wine in being able to pair and match flavors. Yeah. Um, not saying that, you know, now, now that the organic wine is a massive thing as well, I think the breadth is, is massive for both, you know, craft beer and, yeah. and these kind of different styles of wine to, to match so many different food pairings. But I think, yeah, the, the way that we've seen beer go in the last five years, I mean, like right now I'm drinking mango raspberry slurpy sour. Like that's, <laughs> that's insane. I, I don't think we would have been, you know, 10 years ago thinking, you know, at the pub, Drinking your Swanee D being like, you know what I would absolutely love? <laughs> it's like a beer that tastes like wine. Yeah, a beer exactly. for a wine Yeah, or so, a beer that tastes like fruit puree. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a new world, mm-hmm. 2020. Um, so you mentioned Boat Rocker and yeah. you mentioned it's sort of like a barrel-aged mm-hmm. sour. Um, are there other brands that are doing the same thing, these barrel-aged ones? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple that have been coming out. Um, Wildflower is quite a famous one, and they do a lot of kind of blending. So I'm not sure if they've changed their processes now, but they basically get um, beer in that's already been fermented, then they add a different bug to it. So like Brettanomyces, it gets really technical, but yeah. like just these um, different kind of microbes that go in there, and then instead of just pooping out like esters and and an alcohol like mm-hmm. normal yeast does, yeah, they kind of poop out um, all of these like weird flavors. So you get this, like, so they get sour, they get really thin because they eat stuff that yeast doesn't. So yeah. you get this, like, completely different palate and, like, complexity to a beer that, yeah, you definitely, you know, you can't get from brewer's yeast. Yeah, so does that mean that the bit that's basically really expanding in the beer world is actually the fermentation bit? Is that right? Like, is that what we're talking about here? I think, like, it's not, it's, it's definitely additives. People aren't afraid to add stuff anymore. So people aren't afraid to add kind of cocoa nibs or coffee or something to stouts and, yeah. you know, mix it with ice cream. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, who would do that? <laughs> Just all like weird, cheap plug. Yeah. <laughs> all this weird stuff that you can do with beer now and get away with. Um, but also it is that kind of full circle, like the sour thing is coming around. Um, all beers back in the day would have had some amount of sourness to them because mm-hmm. we weren't able to... You know, now it's so chemically, scientifically kind of um, uh, driven that you can pull out a single, um, like a yeast cell, and then grow it up from that. So it's so it you know you get the exact same profile yeah. out of it every single time. Really clean beer. There's like an air of precision to it now. Yeah, exactly. It's all just like scientific and um, which is which is good because like the craft beer thing. I think you know people make mistakes. And you know we've made we've made ones where we've literally like put a label on a can and said a beer was something when in the end it was something else because we were like uh, we've messed up here we didn't, <laughs> we didn't mean to do this but we still think this beer is sick um, but it's all those little things like all these little errors or all these little kind of people playing with it with small enough brew kits or you know the big guys they don't have the you know they do twenty thousand liters at a time they don't have um, you know, permission to be able to go and waste that much beer. But with us, we can mess with things and we can make mistakes and we can learn from it and actually, like, get some really cool results. 
Um, so I think that's the best thing about this kind of like craftier movement. People aren't afraid to just kind of step yeah. in, make some really crazy, weird stuff. And I, th- I think you've like 100% like nailed exactly why people should be having craft beer instead of yeah. just your regular stuff is because you can like try all different kinds of things and yeah. you can get those like different flavors and it's not just the same down the line flavor anymore. Exactly, 100%. And we so so often when I'm doing like a beer tasting or like a, a beer dinner or something, you have you know one guy there or one girl, they'll be like, oh, I don't like beer. And then it's like, mission on here. Like, <laughs> I'm going to find a beer because you don't understand. If you say you don't like beer, like there is a world out there for you because yeah. there is so many different types. Well, and hit, stuff. hit me with, like, let's say... I'm rocking up and I say, I don't really like the beers I've had before. Yeah. What three beers are you going to be trying to get me to try? Well, firstly, there's a couple of questions. So I would ask kind of what would you drink normally? So if, say if you're like a red wine drinker or something like that, or if um, if you like something a bit fruitier, sometimes like but on the like malt kind of fruitiness to it. Um, red ales seem to really change people's minds. Yeah. It's kind of doesn't make sense really because they're like, oh, we don't like beer. And we're giving them something with even more malt and even more kind of intenseness to the like beer flavor. Um, but it kind of seems oxymoron that this thing that everyone thinks of as like a big, tough kind of red beer drinker, it's like that's what the, the men want. Yeah. But the, the girls dig it. And <laughs> we get like this whole range of people who are. Um, you know, from the old surly boy at the bar, kind of who used to drink Rogers, now drinking this red ale, or yeah. you know, wine drinkers drinking a red ale. Um, what about your classic? Only loves cocktails, drinks like vodka yeah. tonics. Who? What are you recommending to this person? Man, there's some weird stuff coming out at the moment, which pretty much just tastes like flavored, like like ciders. Yeah, basically, or like you know, like the White Claw. These seltzers. Oh, yeah. People are making seltzers now or... Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah, Cheeky Monkey have one that's like a... Um, yeah, like a raspberry-flavoured kind yeah. of... So there's all these nectarine ones coming out. And so they taste like cocktails. They yeah. taste like spritzy, sweet, <laughs> little, easy-going things. Yeah. But also New England IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get the right f- kind of hot profile in there... Then, like stone fruit or something. With yeah. It. Like, I mean, we use a lot of... Um, West Coast hops, so they tend to be more kind of floral um, and like juicy. So like you find on the on the palate, without adding any fruit at all, you're getting like huge wafts of pineapple and apricot and you know citrus and all this stuff, and you've not added any of that. It's just coming from the hops. Yeah. Um, and then I think like the other one is is the, is the sours. Like I think that um, people, especially cider drinkers, people who um, I don't know, man. The sours just—they grew on me. I never liked them. At the <laughs> yeah, see, see, weird. yeah, because I'm not—I'm not that into sours. But yeah. everything else you've just gone through <laughs> is definitely things that I'm into. Yeah, but I mean, on that as well, like big, really big, um, kind of chocolatey, like imperial stouts, or mm-hmm. um, like the first time I had one of those, it just—it just tasted like a really intense Milo. Yeah, like someone who just stirred way too much Milo into, you know. Yeah, yeah, and like it was, it just blew my mind that this thing could taste so much like chocolate and coffee and be like because they're really thick as well because they're really boozy. Yeah, and they have heaps of malt in there, and they just end up being these big like chewy kind of yeah, it's nuts like milk chocolate. (laughs) 
I think we've definitely like nailed like all the different sort of areas. If you like chocolate, <laughs> you can get into an imperial stout. Yeah. If you like wine, you can probably get into a red ale. You've got your sours and you've got your New England IPAs when you want to move up from the sours. Exactly. So yeah. I think that we've got like this sort of nice little stepping stones to get into like your full on like IPAs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the easiest way to move people on though is like we, we, we call one of the beers in our range a gateway beer. So it's that kind of, it is that stepping stone between like we're just trying to slowly push someone up to being able to drink something with a little bit more bitterness, a little bit more hops maybe a little bit more fruity quality on the nose. And once they start drinking that, it's not too far, you know, removed from a lager or something like yeah. that. But then I think because, you know, your palate changes and as you get kind of more used to something, you maybe taste it a little bit less. And so then people are wanting more and more. And I think that's what these, like, all these dudes who just love, like, 9% triple bloody hopped IPAs, <laughs> they... They've just like slowly worked themselves up into this. Yeah, like, it's not like this instant thing that they've done when they're like 14. No, no, everyone hates beer when they're a kid now. <laughs> I remember being out on the lawn, throwing my guts up after like half a sip of a carton cold. Like, beer sucks when you <laughs> when start drinking it. <laughs> and we should say, do not drink until you're of legal age. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so quickly. Moving on. Uh, I wanted to jump into a hypothetical because we haven't actually really talked about food much. No. Um, so what I wanted to throw out was a hypothetical to you and just see what you kind of come back with. Basically, the mission is you've got people coming over for, you know, like Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. You want to make some sort of appetizer, some sort of main, and you want to have some beers that are going to be like appropriate to go with it all. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I often start with kind of some kind of fish. I really love raw fish. And I love kind of like scallops and things like yeah. that. So um, I don't know. I'd probably do some kind of little, or maybe just like a quick seared salt scallop because some people are weird about raw fish. <laughs> like a little scallop thing. Um, I made a beer granita once to go on a, 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 on these uh, on oysters before, but yeah. it goes really well with like, you sour beer, add a little bit more. Um, maybe a little bit of vinegar to it um, and some uh, finger lime Yeah, over that. Over is that the... all it takes? It's sort of like the beer granita mm -hmm. is like what's actually going into that when you're making that? Literally, yeah, just beer. If, you, you, if you've got something that is kind of potent enough in its flavour, um, yeah, you just freeze it up. I mean, the texture is the texture and the way that it melts in your mouth and kind of gives you that refreshing little little burst of flavor yeah. that's what you're looking for especially with kind of seafood like that that's so easy super easy people can yeah. just freeze a beer finger lime bit of vinegar and yeah. they can put that on their seafood yeah yeah you just kind of scrape it up a little bit um yeah chuck it on something i mean that's that kind of contrast between hot and cold sometimes yeah people don't don't love either but i think it's really cool yeah um, well, especially I mean, as an appetizer i think plenty of people are sort of getting more into things like raw fish especially yeah, everyone's getting real weird it's <laughs> <laughs> way let's yeah, get man. weird <laughs> yeah i think well i think more people are just coming on board it's like you've yeah. got sort of like people that are willing to try a lot more because it's more normalized on tv mm -hmm. you know master chef has really like it's really done that sort of thing. Like you look at all these other cooking programs and none of them really push the boundaries in the same way. I'm just kind of like plugging MasterChef for yeah, no reason. Thank you. But like, <laughs> but I love that. I love the idea that it's not really necessarily the drama. It's just people just like really just pushing and 
slowly it just normalizes quite a lot of weird stuff yeah which is good absolutely man i think like i've tried to push the boat out quite a few times <laughs> in my season and just do some like really whack stuff that ended up terribly but <laughs> but like that's from watching that that show man like yeah the, the things that you see some people do on that and you know normal people as well you're just like how how do you come up with something like that and you know sometimes it doesn't sound right in your head and then like in my case it didn't taste right when <laughs> once it came out of my head either but like um yeah it's uh, it's really it's really changed the landscape of like the home the home cook um yeah i mean my mum was a terrible cook when i was a kid really absolutely terrible like bangers and mash and like yeah deviled sausages i can think is like the thing that she'd make all the time and spaghetti bog and that, that's pretty much it and now she's like a, you know she's made curry pastes and all this stuff from scratch and yeah over there and she's like lays out platters of food that she's you know so you've like inspired her i think that like, we both kind of watching masterchef we both got inspired from that yeah and then like we've kind of which i'm kind of disappointed that she didn't get better at cooking earlier <laughs> Because then she could have made you. You would have been. Food. You would have been a producer's dream. Then. <laughs> yeah, get that like selfie backstory yeah. with the family. Yeah, and no, I didn't have that. Hey, like I had really no um, kind of like the only food memories I have as a kid are like pretty average roast and stuff like that. Um, I was always told that my nan was really good at cooking, but like she made us pasties and stuff sometimes. It was pretty good, but it was never that really like big kind of you know influence of, of family growing up cooking heaps of food and um you know making all these delicious things but like yeah i think it just yeah kicked off when we like started watching Master yeah <laughs> it fucking seems really strange but, yeah yeah we've gone off on an incredible tangent Always. i'm gonna bring it right back please do so we've started <laughs> like we've got like one sort of entree yeah, okay. like, <laughs> <laughs> we went through we went through like multiple things i'm so bad at but, Bringing it back, <laughs> we got uh, one entree with like seafood. You know, you've got your beer granita, which all you have to do is freeze up beer, and mm-hmm. there you go. Then, what are we talking for mains, and are you pairing it with any sort of other beer? I'm assuming the entree you're going to pair the beer like that you're also using for the granita. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely like a sour is a really easy way to move into move into the meal. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they're usually lower alcohol. You don't want to like smash people yeah, immediately with like something a, super like massive. Eight or ten percent, exactly. Or yeah. That'll come at the end. <laughs> but yeah, and then I would move into something. Um, I mean, everyone drinks like IPAs and pale ales with their like main courses normally. Like you get, um, you know, fish and chips and all that kind of stuff. You know, pizzas and all these things. Wings all really go really well with like an IPA or a pale ale or something with a little bit more hops to it. Um, but like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm loving lagers again, like really into yeah. local lagers. They're a little bit more expensive than your, your you know, your, what kind of brands? Innate do a really excellent one. They're a really small brewery. Um, Joel Nash is the head brewer, um, out of like Spearwood or like near Coogee there. Mm-hmm. Um, and his stuff is exceptional. Um, that there, yeah, his lager at the moment is, is killer. Um, Nowhere Man, um, they're out in... West Lady, I think, mm-hmm. um, absolutely amazing um, lager as well. So, like, I mean, lager's seen as this thing that all the you know the big guys do, and that you can't really hold a light to as a small brewer. But these guys are killing it. Yeah, you know, 
our logo is pretty good as well. <laughs> well, you, you have like you can plug it right now. <laughs> plug your other side beard. Oh man, other side literally the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't want to plug it. I want to you know, share the love. <laughs> share the love. No, yeah. like we've got so many incredible breweries around here. Um, another one out in Bedford, Bedfordale, um, Last Drop. Um, the yeah, the guy out there just absolutely kills it with his traditional style, mm. um, like you know, Czech you know, pilsners and lagers and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know, man, chicken like a, a fire roasted chicken, um, some kind of like harissa um, kind of thing, not too spicy, but yeah, and, a, and like a real nice cold lager, um, awesome, or even like a dry hop lager. Yeah, I think you're just going to think about intensity and the balance, like with wine tasting as well, or like wine pairing. You can't match something that's like super punchy and full of flavor with something that doesn't have, you know, a matching element to it. So if you have something really fatty and things like that, you want something a little bit sharper, uh, maybe a bit more like kind of spritzy to kind of push away, kind of you know, get rid of that yeah. kind of mouthfeel. Um, and then, like, onto dessert, you really want to match the kind of the intensity to be both quite high. Like, yeah. I like, a, a, you know, well, if, you, if you're doing something chocolatey... You're yeah, let, let's you're go gonna, chocolate, because yeah. I wanted to go into stout. <laughs> right, hit me, hit me with your stout Stouts ideas. Stout, man. Um, stout man, brands. I've had... Who's uh, doing good ones? I mean, Cheeky Monkey have got some some great ones. That, that, that Russian Imperial Stout that you're drinking now is delicious. Silverback mm-hmm. comes out like once a year and is, is really cool. Very, very good. I can attest. Yeah. Um, oh, who else, man? Like Rocky Ridge um, always have some like real big, dumb beers mm-hmm. um, that are absolutely delicious. Um, I mean, I want to shout out other people, but I'm getting like rant tongue-tied. I don't remember. That's cool. Like we can, <laughs> like, I'm more, like, I've already written down to ask you more about breweries in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Um, and then let's say for your dessert, you've got something chocolate. Yeah. Hit me, hit me with a chocolate dessert. A little, I, I like ice cream, so it's going to be, gonna be <laughs> yeah, some we, ice cream. Yeah, we can work together. Right yeah, for yeah. sure. And again, you can incorporate, like, with, with, with any kind of meal, you can incorporate beer into the cooking. So, you know, a stout ice cream, um, get something big and dumb, you know, 11%, you know, a little long glaze, kind of if you um, kind of boil the, the stout down, get it a little bit more intense. Um, you know, you can even do like make it a bit more of like a caramel and ripple it through there. But yeah, just like delicious kind of big, dumb stout ice cream. And then you just want to play off the notes that it already kind of has in the beer. So, you know, if it's something that has a bit of like coconut or, hazelnut or yeah coffee. then you kind of like lean into those like yeah exactly things. and desserts are easy man like you just do you know not that they're not easy but like making them at home if you have a biscuit you've got like some ice cream you've got something kind of i don't know you know something crunchy on there as well something soft like you just want to make sure you have like a little bit of yeah. salt we got like full master chef yeah. you, know, you got your <laughs> textures you got your different heats you got that salt to keep it balanced yeah like, I mean, you need it. That's like, what's the point of it? You yeah. something that's one dimensional. Well, like, and, and we're talking a situation where people are trying to impress. Mm-hmm. And I like where you've gone with everything because although some of it is like semi-elaborate, mm-hmm. none of it seems to be super time-consuming in the moment. No. Like if you're pre-prepared, that's like the best thing about a party is if you're pre-prepared 100%. and you can just like have the beers with everyone else, yeah. you can enjoy with everyone else. So like... 
you know, you've got that seafood thing that doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. Wings, like, don't take that much effort yeah. once you've got yeah, the sauce. You've got the on. barbecue out there and you're all standing around and you've you yeah. you got the chicken on there or whatever, or the octopus or whatever you're doing. You know, that's like, it sucks being at a, a party and you're, like, stuck in the kitchen the whole time. Like, prep. I think that's, like, working, the little bit that I have working in, in like, commercial kitchen, <laughs> you learn that, like, having everything ready is is so the way to go yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> so much best. better so yeah you can sit around and talk to people and you know i've just like i don't know if you can't talk about this at all but like i've just wrote a menu yeah. for um or just to help with a menu at who's your mama which is a little um bar but like the constraints that they had for that place like obviously the people who are cooking they're just bartenders and managers and stuff like that so they had to figure out how to make a menu that people can you know just anyone can cook so making it really simple but like making it super super tasty and also like you know real little kind of tricks to make it played up really well as well yeah and it's like the i thought it was going to be simple but it ended up being like more way more complex and way more fun than i thought it was going to be to to write a menu because it's the first time i've written a menu for yeah another you know that wasn't just like a pop-up of my own or something mm-hmm. but so like, what sort of plating are we talking about? Like, if can this actually be translated for your average home cook? <laughs> like yeah, these probably. Sort of plating tips? I mean, like, I always think, like, volume and height is always a really good way to present a dish. So, <laughs> especially if there's not much there, um, you're always about, especially in the catering or whatever, you, you want to give someone something that looks big and, you know, but you... You want to make as much money out of it as possible. Well, I've always been told height and keeping that nice edge around the plate. That's, that's the it. two basic things I've been told. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think um, also having, you need little pops of colour or you need, you know, if you've got something that's overly dark um, and you can incorporate something that's bright and white in there as well or, you know, vibrant greens, things like that. You just, you want people to be interested when they look at it, like dull, dull kind of monotone colours doesn't matter if it's the tastiest thing in the world. Your brand's already switched off a little bit going, this is kind of boring, hmm. you know? So, I don't know, just like incorporating other things, like making sure, so one of the dishes you hit with a blowtorch before it goes out, which is super simple, but what it does is kind of like it's it, it makes that kind of charred and then smoky, so you like, it, you know, it chars all these um, little bits of octopus and there's like a shawarma paste on it that kind of just fills the air immediately with this like, crazy kind of shawarma style Mm. um yeah just smokiness and i think that makes a dish so much better because it's not just you know here you go you know you got this kind of lifeless thing on the plate it's already hit you in the face before you kind of got it there so yeah i don't know shit like that's really easy (laughs) well you've mentioned octopus now yeah i think a couple of times and then (laughs) when i was actually like looking into stuff you've done before Uh I saw octopus come up a couple of times. Yep. <laughs> um, now, this is something a lot of people probably don't know how to cook very well. No. Uh, can you give us an explanation on octopus, how to maybe prepare it, where to buy it, how to cook it, as if I was like yeah. eight years old? Yeah, sweet. Well, I think there's like this, there's, there's two ways. The first way is getting it fresh from your fishmonger or from your fish shop, whatever. Um and the best way to do it is most likely it's been tenderized some way, even by the, them quickly freezing it, it does kind of break down those proteins a little bit. Um, so you shouldn't usually have to beat the shit out of it. Ever. Yeah. Like a lot of people you see in movies or whatever, slapping it on the rock. That should be <laughs> cool. 
Um, you can use things like kiwi um, to marinate it and to break down those, those proteins and stuff as well. But um, for me, it's always just about cooking it for a longer period of time. So when you first dunk the um, thawed out octopus in the water, so you've got a big pot of salty, salty water, this tastes like the ocean um, when you're doing anything with, with boiling water. Um, and you dunk it in three times, and what that does is sets the protein. Um, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it just someone told me to do that. Yeah. It always seems to you know curl them up, and it um, kind of seems to yeah get it ready to kind of be, be cooked. Yeah. But I've perfect. never not done it, so I don't know what happens if you don't. Well, let's just say keep that as a step. Everyone. Dunk it in three times, <laughs> um, and it'll it'll you know, coil up and kind of go a bit tight then. And then you want to boil it for like 40, 45 minutes. Um, and you can test it with a fork. If the fork slides straight, like at the point where it's done, the fork will slide straight through it. You'll be able to take a tentacle off with a spoon. Um, but if you take it any further, it'll start to, it's like a spring, right? Like it uncoils and then it gets to a certain point and it'll snap back. And like a sort of rubbery and It'll go completely rubbery, yeah. rubbery again. So you got to be super careful about kind of when you take it out. But if you can push that fork through it or a spoon into the flesh, it's all good. And then like two minutes on a ripping hot barbie and that'll try the outside. Um, yeah, you can just put it with any kind of flavors, you know, Middle Eastern, um, yeah, Middle Eastern, bloody African, like just any any spice combination. It, it can hold a lot, like it's texture and all that kind of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's got a pretty, you know, not a dominating flavor, but it's, it's really able to support big flavors. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. All right. Um, oh yeah, and the other way with octopus, I use Fremantle octopus, so they do fresh and frozen, all this kind of stuff. They actually pre-steam um, it for you, so you can buy Fremantle octopus hands or whatever off of. I think you can get it off the internet, but you can buy it in local stores. And all you have to do is heat it up, basically, put it in the oven to a point where it's warm enough, or on the grill until it's warm enough, and it's like ready to go. So it takes that kind of yeah, intense like, part out yeah, of it. Era. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I actually wanted to talk about, you've sort of mentioned um, some of the activities you've been involved in, and then I've sort of looked into some of the things you've done in the past, and you've mm -hmm. had a bit of a history with food festivals, with beer festivals, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I find it really interesting because, I mean, you look like years into the past and there's nothing that exists like this. But in yeah. Perth, I can't really speak for other cities or states, but in Perth, I know we've got, you know, pork and cider festival, beer and beef, you've got gourmet escape, mm -hmm. you've got, I think, Gascoigne has events as well, and then you've got other Southwest events. Yeah. Like, there's heaps. There's an incredible amount of pairing now between alcohol and food, basically. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see the future of that sort of partnership going? Because at the moment, like, it, it seems to just be fully... Crossing over, basically. I mean, we're making stout ice creams, like, yeah. uh, cold, and it's just, it's a strange place, but I wanted to get your idea of where you think it's going. Like, I don't think there's any kind of limit to what can happen in that, in that area. I think, like, the best thing about beer and, like, these festivals, like, our brand in particular kind of wanted to always be about promoting that social side of you know not just the getting pissed with your mates but like <laughs> that social side of, of beer like the other things you can do with it and the other thing that it facilitates you to yeah do. so you know going to these festivals and 
you know, there's, there's always such like outlandish things happening there. There's like free tats getting given. And, really? Uh, yeah, I've got like every time I go to a beer festival, I get a new weird tattoo. Um, yeah. Like, what's uh, What's your favorite one? I want to know right now. That you've got for free. This one here is a pizza. Oh <laughs> my god! A pizza tattoo. Yeah. Now, for anyone listening, I'm pretty sure they can see that on your Instagram. They can see that on my Instagram, yeah. Like, you might as well say, what's your Instagram right now for, for anyone listening? I think it's at Kyle Owens, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> well, um, we'll be other side the... Kyle is my beer one. So, at other side Kyle, um, and then underscore Kyle Owens is my other one. Really? Where there's lots of cute photos. <laughs> so, if you want to see photos yeah, of family... See, and <laughs> yeah, you want to see the cuteness that I can produce. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, beer festivals are sick, man. They're always so much fun. Um, the people, like the community, is insane. Like everyone has, even though we're kind of, we wouldn't say rival. We always think of that as all the craft guys being against the big guys. Yeah, that's that's, that's so you're, on, you're on a team. Yeah, we're on a team, and we're against the big dudes. Um, it's like Mighty Ducks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we're just like smashing in there with a flying V, full of beer paddles. <laughs> but no, like it's 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 great. Like the community is excellent. Um, oh man, one of the breweries that I definitely wanted to mention, Artisan, down down in Dunsborough. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they are. Um, they are or Denmark, yeah, Denmark. They are insane, man. They're doing like all these traditional style stuff, and they are the best people at any event. Like they. They're just like the sweetest couple ever. Um, yeah. Legends. But so, yeah, it's like community of, of just like awesome, awesome people. And we get to hang out with them. Like, you know, there's a festival every couple of weeks in the Yeah, and you're going to for free. Exactly. <laughs> you love Drink way too much. Being silly. <laughs> no, it's good fun, man. Very good times. Well, Kyle, we're going to be bringing it to the end of our show in a second. Yeah. But... Before we do, I just want to hit you with a couple of rapid-fire questions. Is that all right? I'll see if I can't go <laughs> complete tangent. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see if we can just keep it to Crazy. the question. Yeah. All right, let's go. All right, weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, it's a bad one. Dog. Dog. Oh, damn. I ate dog in China. Okay, well, we're going well, small tangent. Yeah. <laughs> me, I, was, I was in China for like six or seven weeks or something when I was younger. It was like the first place I went to outside of Australia. Um and I, I want to try everything, you know, like a lot of the time I don't eat meat, I'm vegetarian most of the time, mm. but if something's presented to me and I've never had it before, I really want to try it. The dog was already dead, right? <laughs> like, I didn't want to go through. All right. Next question. <laughs> We're going to come out <laughs> uh, Favorite brewery from each city in Australia. Yep. This one's going to be hard. Um, <laughs> or just list off. Like a sort of semi-favorite for each one. Yeah, I think like it's hard not to say Pirate Life down in South Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been consistent for years and bloody excellent. Um, Froth, I don't—they're not from the city, but they're like in the middle of nowhere, up up north somewhere. Yeah, um, Froth Craft Brewery—they're really good. Um, if we're gonna have to pick one from WA, oh, I don't want to be basic. Kind of want Just to say, go with your heart. Follow your heart. Say other side. Want, well, <laughs> I gotta say other side. Right? Yeah, all right. They're, they're the best. Yeah. Well, um, what's what's the best beer from other side then? If people are buying, 
uh, we would do a lot of seasonal releases. So my favourite one we've, we've done is probably IHL, which is Imperial Helen's Lager. Um, and yeah, just really hoppy uh, lager. And that was amazing. Lots of uh, uh, New Zealand hops get really like diesel-y kind of, yeah, um, yeah reasonably kind of flavour going on. Yeah. Right. Um, Sydney? Where else? Sydney. Man, I haven't been to Sydney that, that much. Um, I think filters from there. Filter pretty good. Mm-hmm. Melbourne. Um, uh, Melbourne definitely. It's a it's a hard one, but there's a there's a new company called Black Arts, um, and they are like a a blender fermenter as mm-hmm. well. And everything I've had from them has been insanely good. Yeah. So if you're in Victoria, you're stuck in lockdown. Yeah. Get onto Black Arts. Absolutely. Yeah. Get like a massive Magnum or something. <laughs> be a real fancy boy. Yeah. Uh, Tasmania. Oh, Tasmania. Two, yeah, two meters tall. Um, yeah, they're really good. Really? It was like a uh, bought a farm down there to, to, to do a vineyard. Mm-hmm. And then while the grapes were growing or something happened, I can't remember the story, um, it was like, I want to make something. So I started doing beer and aged beers exceptionally. See? Next question. Uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite chef and why? Um, oh man, it's so hard. There's so many like lovely people, especially like now that I've met a few of them. Um, like Yotam was always um, one of my big favorite. Um, but then, I don't know, man. Have you ever watched Bon, bon Appetit? Yeah, I have actually. Know Brad Leone on there? I think maybe, yeah. He's just this funny dude and he's like, he's an idiot and he ferments heaps of stuff and I'm like really into obviously the fermenting thing. Yeah. Um, so I think like if I got to meet like one person, it would be him. Yeah. So yeah. All you fermenties from, yeah. from last season. You got Manny Hall, Simon as well. Yeah. I don't know. Loving I it. It's just, it's like a, the, the next step of being a nerd about food. To yeah. Into fermenting. Yeah. And it seems to be something with the veggie lovers as well. Yeah. It seems to be like a step up from being a vegetarian. Umami and stuff into it. So yeah. that's a way of getting these like big meaty flavors out of stuff. Well, there's a question. Why don't you just hit me with one single dish that involves fermentation then? That people should maybe try if you're a vegetarian. Kimchi. I think anything yeah. with kimchi. A kimchi pizza is really delicious. Really? Yeah. This is not strictly vegetarian. Yeah. Like bonito flakes on top afterwards, but mm-hmm. you can make like, I don't know, like even um, making like a little cashew sauce for it mm-hmm. and stuff. Like... Cashew sauce and broccoli and kimchi on a pizza. Yeah. And then um, bonito flakes on top. They're those ones that kind of like wave with the heat. Yeah. Seen them. They look super creepy, but uh, that's delicious. Oh, yeah. There's a recipe. <laughs> that's sick. All uh, right. Uh, favorite food? That's a hard one, man. It's probably... S- oh. I don't know. I like heaps of food. It's probably bread. It's like the worst question you could ask, like a food. I love it all. Yeah, bread. It's probably bread, just because I eat heaps of it and um, versatile. Versatile and just like when you when you do a dough or something like that, the potential that it has. It's like so many things can come from just like flour and water and you know maybe a couple of other ingredients. It's yeah. insane. Sick. <laughs> yeah, you're actually like, these are very good answers. <laughs> Best beer you've ever drank. It can be completely contextual or it can be about the beer itself. Mm. To be honest, I would I would probably say 
and by now, like, definitely I've drunk different beers that I've liked a lot more. Um, but the first time I ever had Rodenbach, which is like a red sour, um, and it just blew my mind completely. I had no idea that a beer could taste like that. Um, and it's, it's kind of got this, like, cherry sweetness and stuff to it. I think it might be back-sweetened. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that beer... You can find it in most bottle shops. If you've never had it before, like, go and taste it. Cause yeah. It's nuts. How, how do you spell it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rodenbach. Rodenbach. Yeah. Cool. You're just going to have to red go. Can. You're just going to have to go phonetically look for the red can. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carl. <laughs> finally, proudest achievement. Um, Besides my children, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's all family-based, isn't it? Like, every, everything... <laughs> well, that's, that's not a corny answer. It is a corny answer. But if you want to go above the family, I'm not going to, like, be judgy <laughs> at all because we've, like, set that precedent. Um, I think, like, a, a big achievement was doing... We did um, the Margaret River Food and Wine Fest. Gourmet Skate. <laughs> we did that, and that was kind of just me and Joe, who was another contestant on the show. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of family members, and, like, went up there and... Cooked for three days and got absolutely caned. Um, yeah, that was probably like the 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 funnest and kind of like most proud of being of, of, of you know in the food kind of world, mm-hmm. being able to produce that. I mean, to be honest, I think like it wasn't the best food I've ever done, but just being under that much pressure and like, yeah, and still cooking it for that many anyway. people. Yeah. yeah, and I had so many chef friends and stuff come up, and I was just so nervous about like them tasting stuff that you know. You've just been cooking all day, and if they're like, "Oh, this is a bit chewy," or whatever, you're like, oh, "Fuck, have I been like upsetting every single person <laughs> who's eaten today?" Yeah, but no, it was it was awesome. Our feedback was great, and we had other side beers paired with it, which was sick. Um, yeah, man, that was fun. And Joe, biggest sweetheart, nice dude. Yeah, really well, Carl. I have to say, thank you very much for being on the show. I feel yeah, like if there's anyone listening that has thought about drinking more beer or getting into beer, or wants to host a killer barbecue, I think that they've got everything they need. Um, before we finish, mm-hmm. uh, if people want to get in contact with you, or if people want to know more about what you're doing, where should they head? Yeah, just message me on, on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find me just, yeah, underscore, um, at underscore Kyle Lyons, or at other side Kyle. Yeah, or if you just want to hang out and have a beer. <laughs> just come annoy you. I need heaps more friends. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in Perth, just come up and annoy and have the other side way. Yeah, yeah, come to the brew. <laughs> All right, Carl, thank you very, very much. Thanks, man.